Hey everybody, how are y'all doing? Welcome to the podcast where laptops go to die. I'm Michael, I'm with Alex. How's it going? And uh, this is Falling Through Potholes, a podcast about video game plot lines and how they have a tendency to go off the rails. And this is part two of our podcast on the Star Fox series. Last time that we did this, we went over kind of like the origins of Star Fox and went over Star Fox 64 in a podcast that probably seemed a little bit short. Well, uh, don't worry. There's a reason why it was, because today we're going to be talking about the rest of the series, or at least the rest of the series that's kind of relevant to the storyline of Star Fox, as we go over Star Fox Adventures, Star Fox Assault, and then finish up with Star Fox Command, a a game that I hate. But hey, you know, (laughs) we'll we'll get to that in a second. Alex, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. doing all right. That's good. That's good. I well, as I told you uh, off uh, off uh, recording, I'll, I'll share this with the rest of the people out there. I did a Windows update, and my laptop decided to t- not take that well. <laughs> Immediately upon boot up, it was a hundred percent CPU. So uh, if things sound a little bit more echoey, that's because I'm recording at uh, at my ma- in my main office. So <laughs> the audio is going to be a little bit weird. But on the other hand, I have two screens, and that's nice. Yeah, so, you know, that helps. So you know, silver linings. Of course, I now have a blanket draped over my head, and uh, thankfully we're out of the second great uh, Pacific Northwest heat wave, so but we'll see how this goes. Yeah, how bad can it be? Yeah, it'll be fine. But you know what? Speaking of, like, hot, hot stuff, I think it's time that we talked a little bit about a very hot series called Star Fox. Yes. Now, Alex, I want to ask you a real quick question. All right. If you wanted to make it the ultimate video game, and he had to take two video games and like smash them together to make it. What would those mm-hmm. two games be? All right. This might just be because I already have Star Fox in the brain. Uh, but I said it last time, Star Fox and Ace Combat. Mm. Yeah. No, perfect. That would go. Ex- yeah. That would just, go perfectly well. Just make Star Fox Combat, please. Please. Please I, just do it. I want that Star Fox game where the president of Corneria ends up getting off a plane with their 2D <laughs> picture of a dog. <laughs> <laughs> and has to talk to Fox, and it's like very, very awkward. Yeah, I, I want that too. I yep, that's perfect. Oh man, that is still my favorite scene in all Face Combat. It's, it's so good. It's Ugh. just so good. <laughs> and it's one of the developer's dogs, if I remember correctly. Yes, it was. Um, tragically, it was one of his dogs who recently passed away. Oh, and so in memory of that, he put a picture of it as a stand-in for a dog in in the shot. <laughs> oh it's so good so good mm. well alex for me the two games i would combine would be clearly super mario 64 and the legend of zelda ocarina of time and the reason okay. why i say this is yeah i know that you know might sound a little bit odd but the the reason i'm going with that is because you know it seemed that uh, a certain company by the name of rare figured that'd be a pretty good idea too when they decided to make a little video game called star fox adventures Mm. Uh, Alex, have you ever played Star Fox Adventures? I have. Yeah, me too. What did you think of it? I thought it was... Okay, on its own, it was pretty good. My feelings about Star Fox Adventure are very mixed. Mm. But on its own merits, it is a perfectly serviceable action-adventure RPG uh, with, let's say, pitfalls. Yes. Yes, I think um, I, I think that's a safe way of uh, putting that. Yeah, I my opinion of it is roughly about the same. That game is uh, lowercase f fine. Yes, 
It's um, it, it's a game that the reason why I specifically brought up Super Mario sixty four and Ocarina of Time is because this game feels like the worst excesses of both. Really, actually, it feels yeah. more like the worst excesses of Banjo Kazooie combined with with yes. uh, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Yeah, I'll I'll agree with that. And like when I first played this game, I, I so I didn't play this game when, when it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, I because uh, you know I couldn't really buy my own video games at the time. I was still still a kid. And right. like I had other games like Luigi's Mansion and Super Smash Brothers and all those. Yep. And so like I didn't play this game until roughly about 2004-ish. And like even then I kind of thought I was like, man, this game has not aged well. Yeah. So I did not I don't think I bought it until years later, but I did rent it from Blockbuster when it mm-hmm. first came out. Um and at the time it definitely felt it felt very Ocarina of Time. And given that Wind Waker wasn't out yet or hadn't even been talked about, like there was no Zelda for the GameCube on the horizon, yeah, this was a nice way to fill that hole. Like it, it was a very serviceable Zelda clone to stand in until the real Zelda showed up. Oh, yeah, yeah. And as somebody who played this game after Wind Waker came out, yeah, yeah. It's, it's very noticeable. Like you go like, nah, somebody did this better. Yeah. But yeah, before then, yeah, it's it's... It's perfectly fine. If like you love the style of game that Rare makes, which is there's way too many items to collect in this, mm-hmm. then uh, you're going to love Star Fox Adventures because boy, it is oh, it boy. is the most Nintendo 64 Rare game that Rare has ever made, except released on the GameCube. Yep. Uh there are so many items to collect in this. There's so many. So so there's, many, there's and I think it takes boy. like I think if you get all the items in the game, there's something like twenty to thirty minutes worth of just cutscenes of Fox being happy collecting an item. <laughs> yeah, it, that sounds right. And it's it's too much. It is way too much. So like I, I spent an hour and a half watching all the cutscenes for Star Fox Adventures to you know get myself refreshed on the game because I had mm-hmm. beaten it before, but it's it's been a while. And like even I commented in my notes is like, man, even in the cutscenes, you collect too many items. Yeah. Oh, it's it's kind of ridiculous, but... It's a little bit. I, I guess with that, we probably should talk a little bit about Star Fox Adventures. With the release of Star Fox 64, the series would not see another entry for five years, which is not unheard of with Nintendo. Typically, with their mm-hmm. major franchises, they like to take pretty big breaks in between, uh, whether it's Mario, Zelda, or what have you. Right. But in the year 2000, Nintendo would reach out to another well-beloved and technically proficient British company with a proposal to retool one of their games into the next entry in the Star Fox series. Now, once again, I am, of course, talking about Star Fox Adventures, which is perhaps the oddest entry in the Star Fox series as a whole. Now, one of the reasons why I wanted to do Star Fox in the first place, Alex, was because Star Fox Adventures is an example of a very odd and... I won't say exclusive to video games, but definitely most prevalent in video games where you will see a franchise take an unrelated game and have it retooled to fit that franchise. Right. Now, these games typically don't have major implications in said franchise, but Star Fox Adventures is quite different in that regard. It's going to have um, a pretty lasting impact on Star Fox, mostly because of the introduction of one particular character that we're going to get into. Yes. Ah, uh, yes, and you definitely know who I'm talking about. Yep, Tricky. Yes, Tricky. Tricky, the tar- Triceratops, is he's going to be responsible for the deaths of many races over the <laughs> course of the next three games, and is just an absolute war criminal. Absolutely. He's he's basically history's greatest murderer by proxy. He is, and 
as much as we joke, I was about to say he's also racist, but that's actually canonical. He actually is yeah, racist. A little uh, bit, yeah. <laughs> can't wait to talk about dinosaur racism. <laughs> Which is a thing that we all knew existed. We just never wanted to admit it. Yeah, right. Everyone knows that T-Rex is looked down on the, on the Velociraptors. It's true. So the company behind this game, Rare, is another British-based developer that up until this point was known for two things. One was their close relationship with Nintendo, and two was their often universally praised Nintendo 64 games. Games that would often push the limits of the console and would just generally be kind of very well regarded for being technical showcases of what that system was capable of. Now, as much as I want this to be the podcast where we go to the incredibly fascinating history of Rare, this really isn't the place for it because this is the only time Rare is really going to come into the story. And maybe one day when we do our Banjo-Kazooie talk about the entire plot of that, mm-hmm. uh, we, we will. But for now, I will just kind of keep it a little bit limited and say that they are, in essence, very much like Argonaut Software in the way that they can push the limits of what is possible. And they also have another thing that they share with them in that they were already, uh, they had already been involved with the Nintendo franchise before, and they were responsible for producing the much-beloved revival of the Donkey Kong series. So between all of that, it seemed like they were the perfect company to take over Star Fox. Now, however, in order to explain why this may not be the case, we kind of got to talk about Dinosaur Planet. And it, it's impossible not to talk about the development of this game because it has huge ramifications right. for the story. So Dinosaur Planet was supposed to be the grand final game that Rare was going to put out for the Nintendo 64. It was targeted for a 2001 release date, if I remember correctly. Now... The development behind Dinosaur Planet was kind of a mess from day one. And you know it's a mess because it involves the game Diddy Kong Racing. Oh, boy. Yeah. So Diddy Kong Racing was a kart racing game released in 1997 that is also very much beloved. It's maybe the second or third best kart racer of all time that isn't just in the Mario Kart series. So now that game itself had a really weird development in that originally it was supposed to be an RC Pro-Am game. Hmm. Yeah, it was supposed to star Timber the Tiger, and Nintendo saw it and said, hey, how about you put the Donkey Kong license on this? (laughs) As you can see, this is a recurring theme in the Rare's relationship with Nintendo. Yeah, and several other companies' relationship with Nintendo. Yeah, weird how that works. (laughs) So... Then So uh, Rare went ahead and did this, and, you know, they released Diddy Kong Racing, and after that they started work on Dinosaur Planet, which was originally going to star Timber the Tiger. Now, Timber, unfortunately, is going to be owed to on being a protagonist of his own game because this game is mm-hmm. going to go undergo a couple of retools over a three-year period. And eventually, they're going to settle on the idea of, of a story involving two characters. Saber the Wolf, which is a reference to an old game that uh, Rare put out called Saber Wolf, and Crystal the Fox. Uh, Crystal would go undergo kind of many different species changes, but eventually they settled on Fox. Now, each character would get a dinosaur buddy who would help them progress through a very Zelda-like game, and by the time it was shown off at E3 in in the year 2000, the press was just drooling over this game. Like, the write-ups for this in, like, EGM and on IGN were just, like, fawning over this, like, amazing game. And, like, it was very, very ambitious. The uh, the prototype for this game got leaked earlier this year, and it, it is legitimately very impressive. So, like, IGN, in fact, when it got eventually retooled to Star Fox Adventures, they went back and did a retrospective on that in 2002, early 2002, where they basically talked about how much they just loved this game and wish it would gotten released. Yeah. So all the following 
comes from an excellent article that was written by Ken Bayless. Now, Ken Bayless is a character designer on Dinosaur Planet and was a longtime Rare employee. He's most famously known for being the guy who created Donkey Kong's current look, as well as being the guy behind Diddy Kong. So, pretty important guy, all told, in the history of Nintendo. Mm-hmm. So, he talks about how Nintendo took notice of the game when it was shown off at E3 2000, and he immediately got in contact with Rare and said, hey, stop talking about this game. <laughs> they oh, set boy. up... Yeah, so they set up, like... I'm um, hastily set up like a meeting in LA, all got together in a room with Shigeru Miyamoto and other Nintendo higher-ups when Miyamoto pointed out that there were some striking similarities between this game and Star Fox. And like, mind you, there was no like tenseness between this meeting. Like Nintendo wasn't accusing them of anything. They're just right. pointing out, hey, these two look similar. Right. Now the two things that look similar is that Crystal was a fox and Star Fox, specifically Fox McCloud, was a fox. Right. Therefore, they should retool this game and make it a Star Fox game. <laughs> So I don't, I don't think it, that's the worst idea in the world. I don't mm-hmm. think it's the best idea. I think it it sort of leans into Nintendo's preference for falling back on their established properties rather than making new ones a lot of the time. Yeah. But like the thing that actually gets to me is how did they not bring this up before 2000? Like this is the company that made GoldenEye Perfect Dark Banjo-Kazooie, Banjo-Tooie, and Donkey Kong 64, and Diddy Kong Racing. Hmm. Why were you not paying attention to everything they made? So that's actually a very interesting point, and Bayless goes into this. A lot of Dinosaur Planet, because it was getting constantly, like, retooled and whatnot, was kind of Hmm. in the dark. Hmm. And um, because of that, like, a lot of Rare's main attention was focused on, yeah, like, stuff like Jet Force Gemini and Perfect Dark that was coming out. Right. And so they just, and they just never kind of reached out to Nintendo at all about this game. They just went, we're just going to put it together, then we'll present to Nintendo and release it. So, like, that's that's the big reason why Nintendo, like, didn't really know about this until they saw it at E3 and went, oh, huh, yeah, that looks neat. It should be a Star Fox game. Interesting. And it's also interesting that you bring up that it, this doesn't seem like a bad idea on its face because Rare seemed to be kind of split down the middle as far as what they felt about this. Mm-hmm. It seemed that a lot of people working on Dinosaur Planet were a little sad about retooling this game. But a lot of other people, particularly the Stamper Brothers and whatnot, uh, right. the heads of Rare, were like, actually, this is a really good opportunity. Like, this name has cachet. It's one of Nintendo's major franchises at this point. This makes perfect sense. Yeah, of course we're going to do this. And and to be fair, like, Nintendo gave their full-throated support behind this game. Like, they rarely got in Rare's way. They just sort of let them do their thing because, once again, they had a really good relationship. Right. And so, like, it's one of those things where I, I definitely want to point out that there was nothing fraught about this development as far as Nintendo's involvement beyond them being like, make it Star Fox! Right. So, so yeah, it, it, yeah, it's just kind of this really weird coincidence where it just it wasn't really ever talked about. Nintendo then saw it, and it's like, all right, well, I guess it's a Star Fox game now. Mm-hmm. So how it ended up going is that Fox McCloud initially was going to be a third playable character, and then he later took Saber's place, and then finally right. they just went, how about he's just the main character and he's the only character? Right. <laughs> So initially, it was going to be a Nintendo 64 game still. In fact, this actually wasn't known until very recently with the prototype being released Mm -hmm. that actually had Fox modeled in the game with voiced lines. Yeah, for the longest time, it was felt that this change didn't happen until it shifted development to the GameCube, but it turns out that wasn't the case. However, it was clear that they weren't going to meet that 2001 deadline. And once that was clear, they shifted development over to the GameCube. And in November of 2002... Star Fox Adventure was released to um, mostly positive reviews. So, 
as kind of mentioned earlier, Star Fox Adventures feels incredibly out of place with the rest of the franchise, and in many ways seems like Rare's attempt at Ocarina of Time combined with some of their worst successes. Because once right. again, this game's a collectathon. It's like not Donkey Kong 64 level bad, but it's kind of bad. Mm-hmm. However, yeah. yeah, right? However, with the game, we do get the introduction of Crystal and the dinosaur planet at large, both which have surprisingly big ramifications for the story of Star Fox. And with that, we should probably get to the plot of Star Fox Adventures. Oh, a very British story, too. Yeah. Voice. Yeah. Now that you say that, that's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so our story takes place a whole eight years after the end of Star Fox 64. Now, we actually don't open with the Star Fox team, but rather we open to a stormy night high in the skies. We see a giant wooden ship with... Like a living dinosaur head on it, breathing fire and looking kind of badass, and it's flying through the sky. So following it, though, we meet a fox lady by the name of Crystal. She's riding on top of this pterodactyl called a Cloud Runner. Now, Crystal is here, as we learned from the opening crawl, because she received a telepathic distress signal and is searching for the reason why her parents mysteriously died. I'm going to spoil this now. We are never going to hear about her parents ever again <laughs> past this point. That was probably in an earlier draft. Probably. So, to describe Crystal a little bit, she is a um, loincloth-wearing uh, mystical fox, about 19 years of age, if I remember correctly, with uh, telepathic powers. And she's able to kind of sense the emotions of people. She's kind of like Deanna Troy from um, Star Trek The Next Generation in some ways. Mm-hmm. And she has a very, very strong sense of justice. Now, for the longest time, I was trying to figure out why exactly this character is so popular with, uh, you know, a lot of people. And it took me a long time for me to figure this out, Alex, but I think I did mm -hmm. figure it out. Uh huh. It's because she's blue. And blue's yeah. a really good color. Blue's a very good color. Mm hmm That's a reason why Sonic is so popular. Yeah. Yeah. And she has Avatar. A, and Avatar, exactly. Yeah, she has a ton of fan art uh, that you should not Google image search with no. safe search off. Or do I don't know. Or you do, do you know it's you your, do you your call. Yep. Your your call on that one. So she lands on this ship and she immediately runs into our antagonist, General Scales. Yeah. General Scales is rad. He's a buff raptor overlord trying to take over Dinosaur Planet with his tribe, the Shark Claws. Now Crystal's like, hey, is the signal the distress signal coming from here? And then Scales is like, ha, the entire planet is under distress. <laughs> What does that mean? It means he's being a real dick. Crystal's like, well, you're evil. And she goes to try to fight him. So this goes very poorly because he literally just grabs Crystal by the throat and throws her overboard. But she's saved by the cloud runner that she rode in on. And so she just bids Scales farewell and then flies off to where she sends the distress signal from, which is a place called the Krozoa Palace. So upon arriving there, she solves various puzzles and reaches the inner sanctum. And like when she gets there, she's a um she's like encountered by an evil spirit who she like recognizes very briefly, but it immediately traps her in a crystal. This crystal gets suspended high above the Krizoa Palace, and with that, a staff that she was holding is dropped and falls to the ground below. Crystal more or less exits the story from here on out. Yeah. And it's weird, because like you play ask her like through this entire period too and like she's like like a fleshed out character and everything and then after that's right, like yeah eh. she's got mechanics and then yeah yeah this is like a real good example of um clearly some aspect of original dinosaur planet still being carried forward right 
So in the meantime, we cut to space and we see our old friends, Team Star Fox. They've fallen on some hard times though. So in the eight years, Peppy has gone old and stopped flying. He's just kind of the like team advisor now. Mm-hmm. Slippy has decided to become a full-time mechanic. And Falco has left the team after getting into like a really dumb spat with Fox. <laughs> so the team is unable to get any work. And the great Fox is like in complete disrepair. Like the R-wings are falling apart and just everything's going bad. Thankfully, the team, though, they're contacted by General Pepper, who informs them that a planet on the very edge of the Lilat system is in danger of exploding. We're, of course, oh. yeah, right? <laughs> We're, of course, talking about Dinosaur Planet. And it turns out it's in much worse shape than we thought, because it turns out giant chunks of the planet are floating above the surface, barely connected by thin energy ribbons. And so Pepper tasks Fox with going down to the surface and figuring out a way to stop this. And Fox takes the mission because they desperately need the money. Right. So Fox lands in the Earthwalker Kingdom, which is a kingdom full of a bunch of Triceratops, who are soon going to prove to be just the most pathetic race in existence. <laughs> the idea that these people like survive long for five seconds is amazing. <laughs> so Fox sets out to talk with the Queen, the Queen Earthwalker, but before he could do that, he's informed by General Pepper that this is a diplomatic mission. He cannot take his blaster along with him because he doesn't want Fox to blow up the planet. He's like, you can't, you'll shoot first, ask questions later, Fox. You're a loose cannon. So Fox is like, all right, fine, whatever. So Fox goes to set out to find the queen, and he actually happens upon Crystal's staff, which upon grabbing it, very awkwardly, a giant disembodied head of Crystal shows up and like Mm -hmm. slowly like expands and shrinks all around Fox. You know, it's really awkward looking. Yeah. Basically tells him about the staff and how it's magic. And also, (laughs) please give it back to me when you find me. (laughs) <laughs> so fox is like rad i got a staff and he goes and he meets with the queen earthwalker so queen earthwalker is like very sick and she informs fox that hey my son prince tricky has been kidnapped she's on he is on ice mountain and i need you to go rescue him now fox here is like kind of a rude boy he's kind of a rude boy throughout the game like he like is very annoyed by this request and like refuses to refer to her by her royal titles she's like it's like what what do you want ma'am <laughs> it's like she's the queen of this entire kingdom show some respect fox <laughs> so fox is like fine okay and he goes to this like, ancient stone deity with a scottish accent that's called the warp stone the warp stone's a dick <laughs> yeah he basically pretends to not know what he's doing and like <laughs> basically takes the piss out of fox con- constantly until fox is like just please send me to the to the ice place <laughs> but she goes fine this- all right this is a really British game, huh? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I, just... Everyone has, like, a British accent, uh, including Fox on occasion, and <laughs> they're all just, like, very passive-aggressive toward each other. <laughs> so Fox ends up arriving on Ice Mountain, and he sees a spaceship fly overhead and drop off a tiny Triceratops, which Fox immediately identifies as tricky. Now, after a weird speeder bike chase, Fox manages to actually rescue him, and we find out that Tricky is a teenager and is absolutely obnoxious. <laughs> like, he and Fox just constantly are buddy heads getting into fights with each other and whatnot. And, like, he's, like, clearly just, like, supposed to be, like, rebellious and whatnot. Now, they have a small fight about who rescued who until Fox calms him down by telling him that his father has been taken prisoner by the Sharp Claws. Information Fox should not possess. Yeah, I was going to say, it's like, does that come up before? This appears to be from an earlier draft. He's supposed to know about this beforehand, but he's never told in this version right. of the game. <laughs> in fact, right, fair enough. 
yeah, about 10 hours later, Fox is going to learn learn this information, and he's going to be very shocked. <laughs> <laughs> so Tricky's like, okay, Fox, I'm going to help you. So they head back to the Earthwalker kingdom, and they meet up with the queen, who Tricky, Tricky like, quickly identifies as dying. He's like, oh, no, my mom's dying. And right. Fox doesn't care. <laughs> like, he literally, like, George Bush-style declares mission accomplished, and, like, even calls up Pepe. He's like, yeah, let General Pepper know we're done. Let's get paid. <laughs> It's still exploding, though. Yeah, Peppy's like, you've done shit. What do you know? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you need no. You you stay down there until you do your job. And Fox like, fine, whatever. Fox is a terrible leader in this game. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a real one eighty. Yeah, like he's, but just I, throughout this entire game, he is the most passive aggressive and condescending person. He is so unlikable. Is amazing. It's mm-hmm. amazing what they've done. The character assassination. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, geez, you don't give the guy a specific thing to blow up, and he just doesn't know what to do with himself. He goes, eh, okay, he's my blaster. Which, to be fair, Fox really should have called a pepper after he ran to, like, the sharp claws and fought them. He's like, hey, there's hostiles down here. Right. Can I please use my gun now? <laughs> never does that. He never does that. Yeah. So- also, it's like, it's weird that Pepper called up a mercenary force for a diplomatic mission. Yeah, kind of. Like, if they had been the bodyguards of the diplomat, that would kind of make sense. Yeah, just a, just a little bit, but no, not even going to go that far. Yeah, it's it's strange. I don't know, maybe Pepper was just feeling bad for his friend Peppy. He's like, they, they need the money, man. Yeah, probably. The Great Fox barely has life support. <laughs> They're thinking about eating Slippy. Like, they they need the help. So, they find, like, Fox decides to help out the Queen Earthwalker. They find this thing called, I think it's called a White Grubhub and give up, or not, not Grubhub, Grubtail or something like that. And it, mm-hmm. it cures the Queen. And the Queen is like, okay, let me tell you about what's going on. So, there's this general called General Scales. He has been at war with all the tribes of Dinosaur Planet for a long time. And, for the most part, has been failing. However, one day, he just gets immense power, conquers most of the tribes, and he invaded the Grizoa Palace. Now, from there, he unleashed the magic that's just roaring inside the planet. This planet is very magical, and by releasing these things called the Spellstones, which there are four of, it caused all the magic to try to escape the planet, which was what tore it apart. So, in order to prevent like the planet's energy from completely pulling the, pulling the planet apart, Fox needs to get said Spellstones back, and place them back at a place called the Force Point Temple. Mm-hmm. Now, there are two hiccups with this. To get access to the spell stones, he needs to find the four gatekeepers, because all these stones are on the floating islands that are now just kind of in the atmosphere. Right. And the only way he could fly to them is by having the gatekeeper open up magic gates that he can fly a ship through. Okay. So he needs that. In order to actually place the spell stones back in their seals, he needs a dinosaur of noble birth to breathe life into them. Which means Tricky has to go along with him. Fox. Yeah, Fox is angry about this. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to kind of whirlwind through the next four areas because they kind of follow the same sort of pattern. But right. in short, Fox has to go back to Ice Mountain. He meets the Spellstone gatekeeper, Garuda Tay, who's a mammoth. And um, he finds out that the Spellstone's Dark Ice Mines, which coincidentally Garuda's traitor's daughter, who helped save her tribe from being murdered by giving the Spellstone to Scales, happens to be in prison there. Uh, he's like, don't rescue my daughter. She sucks. She's a traitor. And Fox right. is like, all right, I won't. And he runs into the daughter. He's like, hey, yeah, 
Belinda or whatever her name is, just let you know your dad didn't want me to rescue you. And she gets like very angry about it, but she then decides to help out Fox and they manage to locate the Spellstone and uh, Fox uh, is able to get it back after murdering a giant dinosaur who eats him and vomits him out multiple times over the course of the fight. Mm. So Fox gets a Spellstone, he goes back to the Force Point Temple and upon placing the Spellstone in there, he hears a voice upon exiting. He looks up over the horizon and he sees a giant monolithic figure called the Krizoa God. He's a giant spirit with a stone face who tells Fox about Crystal and how she's trapped at the Krizoa Palace. He then has him undergo a trial that allows him to collect a Krizoa spirit and tells him to go to said palace to deliver it. Upon doing so, Fox discovers Crystal and in the most look at this sexy lady scene <laughs> imaginable, like literally like starts from her like legs and moves slowly up while yeah. a s- while a sax riff plays, <laughs> Fox is like, oh, she is beautiful. <laughs> and Fox immediately goes from being like, should I get all these spirits? To being like, I need to get all these spirits. <laughs> so in between finding all these spirits, which we're not gonna detail, uh, Fox continues to find all the spell stones. So during his time, Fox formally meets the Cloud Runners, those pterodactyls, and we mm-hmm. learned that the Earthwalkers are racist against them. Like we can't. Okay. Tricky's like, you can't trust the Cloud Runners. I'm not gonna help you when they're being oppressed. And Fox is like, whatever, dude. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> so like, um, he has to go like rescue their queen, and actually gets captured by General Scales. Mm. Like he meets him, and General Scales is like, oh, the famous Fox McCloud. And Fox is like, well, I'm gonna stop you. He's like, no, you're not. And he just gets captured oh well then <laughs> yeah but he he breaks free and like helps out the queen and gets another uh gets another spellstone from him wait so do the inhabitants of dinosaur planet have awareness of <laughs> events happening on other planets turns out yes oh yeah <laughs> yeah you think so because for the most part they seem like a pretty agrarian and like like not particularly advanced society right except all the times when they are <laughs> Such as building giant temples to contain magic and the and the shark claws having spaceships. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah it's true. It, it's it's a little weird. It's it's at the very least, General Scales knows about the famous Star Fox team. Right. So he does that. And then like after Fox like gets that um, spellstone and returns it, he gets captured by a very annoying raptor-like tribe called Lightfoots, who are basically mm. a bandit tribe that speaks in a me hate you sort of way. Right. They're very annoying. Right. Like, during all that, he also continues to help out the very useless Earthwalkers with various things, such as rescuing their eggs, protecting them against dinosaur demon bats, and in something that seems just very insulting, literally has to reactivate their nightlights because they're scared of the dark. They, they need hmm. the nightlights. General Scales knocks out the nightlights, and they're like, Kitty Fox, we're scared. These people have horns on their head to skewer their enemies with. <laughs> yeah! Yes, they do. <laughs> You you think they would like use them, but no. You think they wouldn't there be afraid are, of the dark, but there are like better dinosaurs they could have picked for the coward tribe. Yeah. It's and I I don't know why they like go out of the way just to make this tribe seem as dumb and awful as possible <laughs> from top to bottom. Yeah, it's, it seems like a weird choice. Hmm. Yeah, they're just a oh god, they're just the absolute worst. They're the absolute worst. <laughs> So after all this, we learned the third spellstone is in the walled city, and that Tricky's father, the king Earthwalker, is the gatekeeper. Now, Tricky's very surprised by this. He's like, how is my father a gatekeeper? All the gatekeepers to this point have the nobility of various stations, so I'm not sure why he's surprised by this. (laughs) 
Either way, they go to the Walled City, they rescue the King Earthwalker, and they find that they have to go to the Lair of the Red-Eyed King to find the Spellstone, which they do that. They get attacked by a giant T-Rex, which Fox brutally murders. Like, in a scene where he literally like, just, like, <laughs> jabs this spear into his brain and, like, wiggles it, and, like, it's messed up looking. Damn. Yeah, it's kind of messed up looking. <laughs> yeah. Mm. It's like, wow, all right, go you, Fox. So we find out the final spellstone is in a place called Dragon Rock, which after Fox finds the final gatekeeper, he managed to infiltrate and locate the spellstone. Uh, he's only able to get it, though, after dunking a giant lava demon bat with an arc cannon into lava. <laughs> and sure. Watches, you know. Yeah, watches him burn to death. Okay. And with that, Fox has all the spellstones. So Fox and Tricky go back to the first point temple and place the spellstones, and the land masses that have been floating around fall back into place only to be instantly repelled again. Because it turns out the only thing that can activate the magic to keep them in place is the Krizoa spirits. Which, by this point, Fox needs just one more. Yes. Right. So, this game involves searching for two sets of mystical keys to save the world. Yep. Awesome. Yeah, and that's not on top of the, like, the scarabs you need to collect, the scarab bags to hold the more scarabs, because that's the currency, or the... Right the fuel cells you need to find for your ship or the items you need to make Tricky's fire breath get stronger and stronger. Yeah, it's... This game is rare at its best. And by rare yeah. at its best, I mean rare at its worst. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Also, I forgot the Earthwalkers can breathe fire. Yes, yes, they can. No, only noble Earthwalkers. Oh, okay. My my mistake. Yeah. <laughs> and Tricky ain't gonna do shit. Tr Tricky's just gonna get kicked out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so... Fox like, bids like, Tricky like a tearful farewell. He's like, Tricky, I thought you sucked, and you still do, but... <laughs> I guess that's what I imagine he says. He doesn't actually say that. Right. But he does make him an honorary member of Team Star Fox. So, hey, Tricky's like, man, I'm going to get my own ship, right? And Fox's like, <laughs> uh, I'll come visit you. Anyways, later. <laughs> so he flies off to the temple, and he returns to the last Krozoa spirit. Only to find this isn't actually the last Krizoa spirit. There's one more. <laughs> and it turns out General Scales has it. Oh. Good news for Fox, though, is that General Scales just shows up and is like, Fox, hi, how's it going? <laughs> Gonna kick your ass. And I mean, I feel like he just brought the thing that could defeat him and his plan to the place where it could be used to defeat him and his plan. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't seem like a particularly good plan for him. But uh, no. as we're going to find out, he kind of doesn't have a choice in this because a huge, like a loud booming voice sounds out that only Fox and General Scales can hear. And mm -hmm. it tells Scales to give Fox a spirit and that he's no longer any use to him. Scales is like, no, I'm not going to do that. But it ultimately <laughs> doesn't matter. He just collapses and Fox absorbs the spirit. So Fox does remark that the voice sounds familiar, but he doesn't think too hard about this and just returns the final spirit. Unfortunately for Fox, while this does free Crystal, the Krizoa god from earlier now comes to life as a disembodied head. Uh. Screaming at how about how he's now reborn, he begins to rise in the sky and flies towards space. Mm -hmm. Crystal, who is now awake, is pissed. <laughs> like, she grabs a staff from Fox and, like, just starts finding energy bolts at it. And, like, Fox is like, well, thanks, I guess, you know. <laughs> I don't mean just rescued you. Like, he's, like, telling Crystal, like, bad, you're really ungrateful. <laughs> and it's like... She's kind of, like, busy dealing with this fox. Stop whining. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Fox jumps in his R-wing and gives chase, and in the space above Dinosaur Planet, 
Fox manages to catch up to the god, and like he's the face of the god is facing his Arlink, and it turns its entire head around, only to reveal on the back is another head, and that head is Andros, who's alive. He's alive somehow. Uh, kind of out of nowhere, huh? A little bit, and also like what? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like this game had a, a very consistent through line, and then they said put Star Fox in it, and they went. How about at the end, just General Scales dies and yeah, Andros shows up? You fight Andros somehow. <laughs> With he's, no... he's, he's like a reincarnated god. It'll be fine. Yeah, it'll be absolutely fine. It's just, there'll be no setup for this at all. He'll just <laughs> show up. So it turns out that Andros needed Crystal to absorb and focus the spirits in such a way that it would revive his spirit. So he like, lured Crystal there with a distress, like, telepathic distress signal um she was the spirit that he recognized and then he trapped her in the crystal so that fox would be lured there in order to get all the spirits together and cause the entire thing to happen it's a convoluted it's a convoluted plan but i guess to be fair it worked why didn't he just have crystal do all the things you know it's a good question not really sure crystal doesn't have a spaceship to chase him into space with yeah, although she had to get the dinosaur planet somehow. Yeah, Did they... she? Was she not just from dinosaur planet? No, she's from an entirely different planet. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, right? Hmm. Although she's able to speak the dinosaur planet language, so I, right. I, I don't know. It's Once again, it's like they decided on a backstory for Crystal and then went, make it Star Fox, and then they went, well, right. we're not going to bother explaining anything else. Right. Crystal's parents? What parents? Well, don't don't worry about that. Yeah, it's the reason she's here. It's the reason she's here. Uh, poor Crystal's parents. So, Fox is about to fight Andros, and Andros is like, I'm going to destroy the entire Lilat system. And Fox is like, starts fighting him, and he's like, little match for Andros. But before his Arwing is destroyed, a bomb explodes just on Andros' face, and another Arwing shows up. Turns out Falco's back! And he's dressed up like a 70s cyberpunk dude, and he's between him and Fox, they managed to destroy Andros. Rad. Yep. They they just let him keep the Arwing? Yep. Alright. Uh, this is going to be a recurring thing, but Falco has a thing about being like, I'm going out for a pack of smokes, and then gets in his right. Arwing and flies off and doesn't return. Right. So, with that, Andros is dead. Dinosaur Planet reforms, and the team proceeds to get paid. Falco also decides to formally rejoin the team, and everyone is happy about that. Fox also gets a message from Crystal, saying that she wishes she could have thanked him in person. And then Crystal just sort of shows up and is like, hey, I'm here to thank you. That really dumb sax rip from before plays where it's like, oh, this is a romantic, sexy time. And everyone uh-huh. makes, yeah, and everyone makes fun of Fox for being kind of horny. And the game sort of ends. And that's Star Fox Adventure. Didn't the only five words they shared before be like, hey, you messed up. Um, How about a little gratitude? Yeah, pretty much. To be, fair, oh. I, I, to be fair, I don't even think Crystal said a single word to him. It was just like, ah, shit, take staff, start firing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But hey, it's, info, it's cool. It's almost like she was supposed to have character involvement in the whole plot and then just sort of didn't. Yeah. Yeah, now this uh, 19-year-old is now the uh, love interest of character that I think is like 31. Yeah, sure. So have fun with that, too. Great. Yeah. It's one of those things that you feel like that after this crystal just won't show up and she won't have any more involvement because just nothing really much was done to really incentivize her to join the team in any way, shape, or form. Right. Just sort of wouldn't make sense. 
sort of wouldn't make sense, but nope. Crystal's going to be a pretty major part of the team going forward now. She's going to just straight up join the Star Fox team. Yep. All her, right. Her search for the parents, not going to happen. It's never going to be mentioned again. And um, her telepathic powers are only going to be mildly brought up from here on out. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Let's. Uh, but hey, we're going to be hearing about Star Fox. Uh, not Star Fox. Uh, we're going to be hearing about Dinosaur Planet some more. In the next game, Star Fox Assault. Great. Alex, have you played Star Fox Assault? I have. It was a while ago, and I only played it once. Mm. Same. Oh, Star Fox Assault is a game that I love everything about except when I play it. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the parts of it that are Star Fox are pretty good. Oh, yeah. The character designs, the overall story, the way those R-Wings look. Yeah. Oh, oh. yeah, the R-Wings look rad in Assault. They are the best R-Wings. They are the best design for the R-Wings. Yep. Like... I love the team composition. I love the music in that game. Yeah, music's pretty good. Uh, Crystal actually is a fun character in that game. Yeah, she's actually it's... yeah, she's actually a good character. Like she's still sort of relegated to being like Fox's love interest, but she actually does have some agency on occasion, which is nice. Yeah, yeah. It even like the main enemies in it are really really good. Yes. The problem is, is when you play the game. Yeah. So we won't get to the development of Star Fox Assault too much because it doesn't really have a bearing on the story. But uh, in short, it was developed by a team um, Namco employees who previously had worked on Ace Combat 4. And like the best Ace Combat. (laughs) Yeah, except I don't know. They decided they wanted to do some on foot missions in this. And I don't understand that. I don't understand why. I 100% understand it. I think that the on-foot missions in there could be really cool. I just don't think they control well. They don't play well. Nothing yeah. about them is good. And they do really strange things where it's like, okay, you could either like be piloting the Landmaster tank, or you could be in your R-Wing flying around, or you could be on the ground running around. And like a lot of the game is literally just you on the ground running around. Right. Or like... For some reason, on the wing of an R-Wing, firing at enemies in turret sections? Right. Yeah. Okay, so... This game... When when did Assault come out? Uh, 2004. 2004, it sounds right. Okay. So this was a period of... How would you, how would you describe this? It was like... It was ramping up towards the end of the console life cycle. Next-gen yeah. consoles were sort of on the horizon. And people's technical grasp over this generation of consoles had really expanded. Mm, yes. So they were they were trying to do a lot more with 3D and with open worlds and the sort of expansive dynamic gameplay stuff. Mm-hmm. And when you had franchises like Star Fox that revolved around, let's call it vehicular combat. Yes. There was a trend of, okay, but what if you got out of the vehicle? So you had Star Fox Assault, you had Rogue Squadron 3, you had Spy Hunter 3, oh God, Mech yeah. Assault 2. Um, I think there's like another one. Driver. Know, um, driver went that direction. Driver, yeah, Driver 3. Um, you had what uh, Battalion Wars was sort of similar. Oh God, Battalion and, Wars. In that there was a there was a lot of vehicular stuff, and you might argue that maybe all of this was because of Grand Theft Auto Three. 
And that's starting this yeah. craze of like open world vehicular slash on foot hybrid gameplay. Mm -hmm. Of the ones that I listed of like going from vehicular combat to let's also do on foot. Uh, Mech Assault 2 was the only one that worked well. Hmm. I never played Mech Assault 2, but it is. I know it's well regarded. Yeah, it, it's actually pretty fun. And like jumping out of your mech to do power armor stuff and then steal another mech is like actually kind of cool. Hmm. But as a general rule of thumb, if you have a really cool combat vehicle like a spy car or a spaceship and you have the option to get out of that vehicle, you should decline that option mm. every time. Yes. You should just stay in the thing that you're in and do the cool thing that the game was designed around. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And because yeah, rarely do these tack on systems really work well, because like if a game's built from ground up to be about one thing, if yeah. you bootstrap another system onto it, it's probably not going to work as well. Probably not. Like almost never, almost never. Like there's always the rare exception here and there, but like, like even if I something like Grand Theft Auto, like for the longest right. time, and really still nowadays, like the, the game's honestly at its best when you're in a car. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. The GT every PS2 GTA's on foot shooting is just the worst. Yep, it's so bad. Yep. Ah, uh, I can't wait for them to fix it for those remasters, and then I'm. Boy, those remasters is the weirdest thing in the world for, to me, but that's a whole other thing. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. That's a whole other thing. But yeah. Yeah, so I, I think there's another reason why Star Fox Assault did the things it did. And I think mm -hmm. it's because there was probably a, a recognition, probably from Nintendo, right. that you kind of couldn't do Star Fox 64 again. And I don't right. think, I don't think they're wrong about that. Because I, I recently played through, um, I, I bought Star Fox 64 3D. Mm-hmm um because now all those 3ds games are 20 bucks on the eShop, right and uh, that's probably the perfect price for that mm -hmm. because yeah. when that game was released i think it was 50 bucks and it was not worth it like it's yeah. it's still a great game but like it's over with in 30 minutes yeah and so there was it seems like there felt a need to like make this a little bit more expansive have a little bit more variety to it because otherwise you're just doing star fox 64 again and well, as Nintendo would learn in 2016, it doesn't really work out well. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's this really hard position where you're right. Like, the, the gameplay of basic Star Fox doesn't go as far as it used to for a full-price game. Mm -hmm. But as an answer to that, Nintendo in general and Miyamoto specifically have been trying to revamp and expand on that gameplay basically every proper star fox game since 64 yeah and it's never worked it never has it never never has Ugh. there is maybe one example of an expanded of a, a modernized star fox game i can think of hmm. that actually kind of worked and that was starlink i was about to say the starlink yes it is starlink <laughs> I, I kind of wanted to buy Starlink because of the Star Fox DLC. It's it's really, really solid, actually. Starlink is a pretty damn good game. Yep. And the Star Fox DLC makes the Switch version the best version, hands down. Oh, man. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be buying Starlink now, damn it. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, I also have something that is also kind of is like counter to my own argument of like, well, they wanted to make it more expansive and whatnot. Right. Uh, this game's only 10 missions. Yeah. Yes, it's also very short it's, and it's, very it, linear. It, it's over in an hour. It actually has less content than Star Fox 64. Yeah. So, you know, let's just throw that all out the window. I, I think they're really banking on the multiplayer in this one to give it a lot of life. Right. Which... The multiplayer is bad. Yeah. But yeah. It's too, and once again, it's too bad because everything around Star Fox Assault is great. It's probably like the character designs, the way the R wings look, the music, mm-hmm. like even the overall stories. Like Star Fox Assault like hits all the buttons that I want to hit, right? Which just makes it a darn shame that I just never want to play this game ever again. Yeah. So let's go ahead and talk about it a little bit. So taking place roughly one year after the end of Star Fox Adventures. Assault starts with the Cornarian army engaging the last of Venom's forces, now under the command of Andross's nephew, Andrew. <laughs> At first, the battle's going pretty badly for the Cornarians when the Star Fox team shows up. Uh, so the team now consists of Fox, Falco, Slippy, who's now part of the main like flight team again, and Crystal. Uh, Peppy's still there as an advisory role, and it's great. Peppy's perfect in the advisory role. Love him. Right. And uh, they all show up to help out. So they easily cut through Andrew's fleet in what is maybe one of the strongest opening missions yep. in a video game. The music is so good. Like, it's a giant space mm-hmm. battle happening. It's absolutely beautiful. And, like, they catch up to Andrew's flagship and chase it all the way down to the surface of Fortuna, this beautiful garden world. So they eventually catch up to it. Like, his ship, like, um, Andrew's ship turns into, like, a giant, like, mechanical, like, face of, like, uh, Andrew himself. Kind of like a send-up to Andros's final form. Mm-hmm. And, like, they start fighting it. Now, the fight's going well for Fox, but they get an unexpected assist when a weird giant butterfly-like mechanical, like, biomechanical ship shows up and blows Andrew up. So, unfortunately, this ship's not their friend and immediately tries to murder them. (laughs) So Fox manages to destroy it, and Peppy immediately contacts him. He's, like, thoroughly freaked out because he knows exactly what this is. He tells Fox, hey, is there a core there? And Fox is like, yeah. It's like, get that core. (laughs) We need to talk to General Pepper. So to get this core, called a core memory, and leave. And the second he leave Fortuna, General Pepper has already found out about this and immediately contacts Fox to tell him about the Aperoids, a mechanical hive mind species that the Cornarians first discovered 17 years ago. Now, we learned about the details of this first contact from Beltino Toad. <laughs> Flip his dad, who's a brilliant mechanic, originally working at Space Dynamics, which is the same uh, company that manufactured the Arlinks. Um... And in fact, Beltino's responsible for the Arlings, it turns out. All right. Yeah. And he's now the chief science officer for the Cornarian army. So he tells, um, both him and Pepper tell Fox about the Aperoids and how uh, 17 years ago, a Cornarian fleet stumbled upon a single Aperoid and we're just immediately wiped. So they knew that the Aperoids were going to show up one day. And now Mm -hmm. that they are here, they believe a full scale invasion is underway. So the only way to stop them is that they need to find another core memory, because the one they have is damaged, in order to discover their home world so they could take the fight to them. So Pepper tells them that they got a distress call from Katina base, and that they need to go to the planet of Katina to investigate this. So Fox and team go to Katina base, only to find it completely deserted. So thinking this is a little suspicious, Fox decides to investigate alone on foot, with like everyone else on our wings giving him support. Right. And once Fox steps his foot into the base, he's immediately set upon by Aperoids. So, like, the rest of the team comes to his rescue, and after a tense fight, they manage to drive off the Aperoids and even destroy, like, a giant walker, which reveals another core memory. So, unfortunately, before they can collect it, 
they find out what the source of the distress signal was. Turns out Pigma activated the distress signal in order to lure Fox and the Aperoids there. So he learned about the core memory and he deduced that he could sell it for a lot of money. Uh, uh, mm. I'm <laughs> feeling like he didn't learn a lot about the core memory. No, I'm guessing he didn't, but he, I think he just heard core memory, money, okay. So he immediately collects the, like, the core in his like incredibly junky ship, like looks kind of awesome. And mm-hmm. like he flies off and the team gets chase. So they lose track of him, but they decide to go to this place called the Sargasso Space Station because it's known to harbor of criminals of all stripes. Mm-hmm. And once they arrive there, they're informed by an ape that they are on Lord O'Donnell's territory. Uh, yeah, it turns out Wolf has uh, become the lord of all criminals. <laughs> sure, you know what? Start Wolf is cool. I'll I'll roll with that. Yeah, no, I'm I'm completely okay with this. <laughs> so Fox identifies himself as Fox, and he's and his team, and he's like, "Hey, listen, we're just here to get Pigma. This ape is like, we are not going to give you Pigma. We don't know who he is, where he is." And we wouldn't give it to you if we could. Also, you're Star Fox. We're going to come and kill you. <laughs> <laughs> so the entire space station just scrambles and gets ships out there. Unfortunately for them, the Star Fox team's kind of badass. Yeah. And literally, Falco and Crystal by themselves just wipe the entire like criminal fleet. While <laughs> Fox and Slippy infiltrate the station and fight their way through to get like records and whatnot. Yeah. And so like... This all happens just in time for Wolf and his team, Star Wolf, to come back and be very upset at Fox. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, Fox, my Wolf's like, what are you doing? <laughs> to be fair, Wolf probably should have told them, like, hey, if Star Fox shows up, just be cool. Yeah. <laughs> Don't. Don't raz the space cops, okay, please? <laughs> uh, so Star Wolf's had a bit of an overhaul of themselves. So they kicked out Pigma for being a shifty pig, and Andrew cool. went to do his own thing, right? Right. So Wolf and Leon have recruited a panther by the name of Panther. <laughs> sure. You know. Specifically, he's Panther Caruso. And he is a ladies' <laughs> man. Or at least he pretends he is. Oh, he's so good. Yeah, Panther's, Panther sucks, but in a way I like. Yeah. Like, he immediately starts hitting on Crystal the second he sees her. Right. And Crystal's like, bro. Bro, go away, please. <laughs> So Star Fox fights Star Wolf to stand still, after which Wolf reveals that, hey, listen, Pigma's no longer with us. And Fox is like, well, can you just tell us where he is? It's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> but Panther, being in love with Crystal, is like, hey, no, I can't refuse a request from a lady. Here's this comm block telling you where Pigma is. And Wolf's like, you dipshit. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, fine, just get, get out of here. Get out of here. So what happens is a bit of a wild goose chase. They go to like different planets and like star systems and whatnot. But in short, Fox tracks Pigma all over. And during this time, Pigma slowly begins to fall under the sway of the Aperoid core memory. Like he like takes a nap and like starts muttering in sleep how he must obey. And he wakes up and is like, no, I can't obey. I can't. Oh, no, I have to obey. <laughs> so yeah, he becomes indoctrinated, essentially. Good. So he eventually retreats to an asteroid belt and abandons his ship. And, like, Star Fox finds him, only to find he's completely lost his mind. And he's, like, half-melded into, like, a giant apparate machine <laughs> that eventually he fully absorbs into. And, like, his face, like, juts out of it and just looks horrifying. I love it. It's pretty good. Yeah, and, like, he starts talking to the Star Fox team. And, like, Fox realizes, oh, that's not Pigma talking. He's gone. Right. Right. And the app, so the apparate tells him, like, hey, you need to submit. You should not resist. It's futile to fight. And it's better to join us. Right. So Star Fox Resistance is, is futile. Exactly. They are 100% the Borg. 
So Star Fox disagrees and blows Pigma up, getting the core memory <laughs> back. So with that, Veltino Fro- Toad gets the core memory and starts to examine it. And in the meantime, Crystal gets a telepathic message from a now King Tricky. So apparently Serena, which is now the new name of Dinosaur Planet, has been invaded okay. by the Aproids, and all the dinosaurs have been assimilated. Whoops. Oh. Yeah, like mm. you see like Earthwalkers on the ground with like giant like pulsating purple blotches on them and it looks horrifying. And we learned that most of them are dead. <laughs> so Fox and team descend and fight them off. And like Fox and Crystal go to load and Crystal's like, ah, oh, finally get to be on a mission <laughs> with you. And Fox <laughs> is like, I don't understand because I'm oblivious. And like they have like a reunion with uh, now King Tricky. And like we learn a little bit more about the state of Fox and Crystal's relationship. After Tricky like teases Fox, he's like, hey, so you two like getting serious? And Fox is like, that's not a relationship. Because ah, ah. Fox <laughs> Fox is uh, kind of afraid of commitment at this point. Right. And Crystal's like, also, oh, you. <laughs> she might have figured out she's like 19. And was like, oh, oh, uh, I got to be somewhere else. Can you leave the ship now? No? Yeah. Okay. Come on, you team up with Falco. Go hang out with Falco. That sounds cool. That's cool, right? Falco's like, nah. I already got one person after me. No. Uh, yeah, it's it's a very anime sort of... I love these of... characters so much. What's up? I love these characters so much. I do too. I really do. I, once again, like the actual through line, like the cutscenes in this are like a lot of fun. And mm-hmm. all these characters are good. And I love when they're just like being a team and like fighting like overwhelming odds yeah i just really want this game to be good and it's not yeah but yeah so it go ahead sorry it it makes a lot of sense that like a lot of this story and writing and character design and stuff was done by ace combat 4 veterans because there's a lot of like really strong character writing in that game too Hmm. which is funny given that the way that game story is told like it's a very it's quote unquote main story is actually a side story, like a complete side story to everything that you're doing. Hmm. Like it, it is the main character is like a child civilian on the fringes of the war hmm. who ends up hanging out with the basically the main antagonists of the game. Huh. But it, it's like there's just a lot of good character writing and storytelling and stuff. I just don't understand why they were so fixated on getting out of the plane. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, it, this had to be something from Nintendo being like, you need to change yeah. this. Because that's a Nintendo thing to like not repeat the same thing twice. At least not in a right. row. Yeah. Like it's a big reason um, why Paper Mario is never gone back to the well, for instance. Yeah. Un- unless it's Zelda and they got it in trouble for that. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I get it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's so disappointing. Yeah. So speaking of disappointment, now that they're ready to go to the they're ready to go to the Aproid homeworld, but surprise, Cornelia has now been invaded. <laughs> that did take a while, actually, for a Star Fox game. It kind of did, yeah. It, it's going really badly for them too, because most of the Cornarian army, including General Pepper, have now been assimilated. Right. So Star Fox needs to descend into Cornarian City to stop the threat, and are almost immediately overwhelmed by the combined Cornarian <laughs> Aproid forces. Right. Thankfully for Fox, though, Star Wolf shows up to assist, with Wolf making it clear he's not there to help. He's only there because he's the only one allowed to kill Fox. 
God, I love Wolf so I much. I love Wolf so much. He's so great. So they managed to drive back the Aperoids, only to be differently confronted by Pepper, who, in what little cautiousness he has left, begs Fox to kill him. Fox is super reluctant about this until Wolf tells him to stop being wishy-washy about it and that Pepper is basically dead regardless. Right. So Fox shoots down his personal ship, but before Pepper can crash into the surface, Peppy comes out of nowhere in an R-wing of his own and basically braces like Pepper's fall at the cost of severely injuring himself. However, he does manage to save Pepper's life. And with that, the team can finally go to the Aperoid homeworld. So with what's left of the Cornarian fleet, they take off to the homeworld only to find it's a beautiful planet up front and on the back is a mechanical nightmare with a giant hole <laughs> linked to its core. Neat. Yeah, it's, it's a cool looking planet. So it's protected by like, the big opening toward the core is protected by a shield and Star Fox has to destroy all the shield generators, but they find that's not enough. Like the shield stills up. Mm-hmm. And during this time, the Greek Fox has suffered catastrophic damage. So Peppy decides he has a plan for all this. And that plan is to take the now almost destroyed Great Fox and slam it into the shield head first. Damn. Yeah, it's real metal. Oof. So this succeeds, albeit at the cost of forcing the Great Fox to explode and presumably killing Peppy and Rob 64. Jeez. And like Fox is like, hey, listen, we have no time to be sad. Peppy's given us an opening. We need to get down there before the shield reforms. Mm-hmm. So they descend into the core and like uh, Wolf shows up with his team as well. And they help fight their way to the Aperoid Queen. And once they arrive there, the Queen starts speaking to the team, the voice of their friends, such as Peppy and Pepper and whatnot. And they're all real confused about this. They're not sure what to do. Is it really their friends or is it just the Aperoid trying to trick them? Uh, it turns out the Aperoid makes a mistake because she also uses James McCloud's voice, which just pisses off Fox. <laughs> so I kind of skipped ahead of this. The plan in order to stop the Aperoids is that Beltino Toad has discovered that um, all the Aperoid cells are primed to self-destruct. Like, they can self-destruct at will in order to keep them from being captured. Mm-hmm. So they're going to fire a missile that's going to cause all those cells to self-destruct. And since they're a hive mind, it'll cause all the Aperoids to collapse. So Fox, upon hearing his dad's voice, is like, what? Oh, no, this is bullshit. Fires that <laughs> missile. And, like, the queen starts to disintegrate, but, like, she's holding it together a little bit, and they realize they have to destroy the queen with conventional means before the entire Aperoid race disintegrates. And they have to do so before she, like, develop a countermeasure to it. Right. So Fox and team manage to do that. Like, Wolf presumably dies during this. Like, he gets shot down. Mm-hmm. And, but, like, they manage to succeed to succeed in destroying the Aperoid Queen, and they escape the collapsing planet core. And as they exit, Fox says of the Aperoid Queen in a really dumb line, she tried to bypass evolution by stealing souls, but you have to be born with one. He does not follow this up. That's the entire line. (laughs) What the hell does that mean, Fox? Yeah, right? (laughs) (laughs) Get going, Fox. Yeah, no, you you showed her. All right. So the team escapes, and like they're all real sacks. All their friends are dead. Except Peppy and Rob, turns out they, they escaped in the escape pod, so it's fine. Okay. Yeah. Good. And but I, Crystal's like, oh, does that mean like Pepper and, and Star Wolf survived? And Fox is like, yeah, probably. That's literally his line. He's like, yeah, probably. <laughs> probably. It seems. <laughs> Which, to be fair, Fox is going to be correct. Yeah. So yeah, with that, they, uh, they go on home. Mission accomplished. So during the credits, we actually do get an epilogue, and... Um, Alex, last podcast, we speculated that Cornarian's government was like a military dictatorship. Mm-hmm. Well, it turns out we were wrong. Uh-huh. Cornaria actually has a civilian government. Okay. We learned that the civilian governments, and specifically their main city, Cornaria City, suffered serious damage from all the attacks. 
and with that, the government essentially dissolved and had to be reformed off-world under military supervision. All right. So now so... they're a military dictatorship. <laughs> in in effect, instead of just, you know, de facto. Yeah. <laughs> All right, sure. It's great to be both right and wrong at the same time. Yep. Also, it seems to be just kind of a mean... A mean, mean attack on the sharp claws. Uh, we get an update on what happened to the dinosaurs of Dinosaur Planet, and we yeah. learned most of them died. The Cloud Riders are on the verge of extinction, and the sharp claws are extinct. They all died. Oh, oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, the end. <laughs> I feel like that's Nintendo's way of saying, "Hey, don't worry about Dinosaur Planet. It's <laughs> not there anymore. We are never going back." And to be fair, we've never been back. Nope. So yeah, that's Star Fox Assault. Ah, oh, man. Yeah. I once again, I actually really like the story. It's relatively straightforward. Yeah. It has a it has a pretty good antagonist. Yeah. It does. It's, it's got like an edge to it. Yeah, totally. It like it doesn't bring back like Andros for no reason, which is a very Nintendo thing to do to bring back your main villain. Boy, it sure is. So yeah, it's just it, it's nice and refreshing. Yep. But you know what would make it better? Mm. If it was a choose-your-own-adventure book. Oh, boy. So, yeah, the would year... Would that make it better? It makes it more interesting. Well, okay, I'm not going to say more interesting, but it makes it interesting. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, in 2005, a new company called Q Games was contracted by Nintendo in order to make a DS Star Fox game. Now, Q Games is actually founded by Dylan Cuthbert, who is one of the original members of Argonaut Software, or at least one of the original members of the people who created Star Fox. I, I right. should be more specific with that. He was responsible for, when he was 17, for doing a lot of the really crazy 3D games that they would do for the Game Boy and whatnot, mm. and was one of the people who helped put together the Super FX ship. Okay. Because, once again... In the early, late 80s, early 90s, random 17-year-olds are apparently responsible <laughs> for just kind of the craziest things that happen in video games. Yeah, pretty much. Video game history is weird. So It sure is. So they were tasked to put together a game for the Nintendo DS that was going to rely on the touchscreen in order to control the R-Wink. Alex, have you ever played Star Fox Command? I have not. I looked at that and I said, no, nah, I'm good. It is maybe the worst Star Fox game. Yeah. It is a it is a bad game in many ways. It, it takes a lot of the scrapped elements from Star Fox 2, the overworld map, right. the um, the fact that every battle is kind of a freeform, all-range mode sort of battle, mm -hmm. uh, that there's a timer with it. And it decides that it needs to add a little special bit of, how about you control everything using the touchscreen? Right. Which is... You're going to be shocked by this. An ideal way to control a spaceship. Really? Yeah. My goodness. So I don't know if we uh, if we clarified. It's not really. I feel like it's been officially stated that Star Fox 2 didn't happen because it was near the end of the Super Nintendo life cycle. It just didn't make sense financially. Yeah. And so they just moved on. Um, playing Star Fox 2... For instance, on the the mini Super Nintendo, mm -hmm. uh, it seems more likely that it was scrapped because it was going to be a bad game, mm. and these ideas didn't work. Yeah, it seems to be a combination of that and a combination of the fact that I mean, this was going to be a game released in like 1996 right. on a cartridge, which with an expensive add-on chip, right? For you know, a system that was going to be essentially like 
it would be in direct competition with his own Nintendo 64, which obviously was going to be much more impressive with his 3D graphics. Right, yeah. So th- there absolutely were market reasons why this wasn't going to work. Yeah. But, you know, if it was going to be a fantastic game that would be like the last great hurrah of the Super Nintendo, yeah, I feel like maybe they would have gone ahead with it anyway. Yeah, I, I agree. It, I, overall, it's not... It's a very interesting game. Everything about Star Fox yes. 2 is very interesting. Yes, it's very interesting. It's very ambitious. It's very creative. Have you ever I, have you ever played the really early prototype of Star Fox 2? No. There's a very early prototype of it that um, actually has a multiplayer mode in it. Mm. Yeah. And not, mind you, it's the most bare bones thing in the world. Right. But it's still kind of crazy that there's like, you could, they actually had multiplayer planned for this at one point. <laughs> right. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. It's also, I, it's also fun because when you like finish the mission, you just fly away endlessly. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like everything about Star Fox 2 that ended up working got pulled into Star Fox 64. Yeah. And everything that didn't either got pulled into Command or Zero. Yeah. Yeah, because the, uh, the ability to transform to a walker ends up in zero, and then just like yep. the overall design is basically influences Star Fox Command's design. Yep. Yeah. And then for both of those, you also slap on Nintendo's at the time obsession with whatever alternative input mm-hmm. their their machine was pushing. Yeah, and like the idea is that you were supposed to have like because like this the DS came with this thing called the thumb strap. Which is like right. a little piece of plastic that you could use your thumb on the screen to actually control whatever is going on there. It's like an analog stick. Right. Which, it didn't work. No. Uh, they tried it with Super Mario 64, and you're better off just using the D-pad on that. Yeah. Um, and then they tried to do it again with Command, and it still doesn't work there. Only there you I have d- zero choice. Yeah. I I don't think touchscreen-based analog sticks have ever worked. No. No, they never have. There's a reason why emulation on Android phones without a controller is just the worst. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, um, yeah, Star Fox Command is is a, t- a terrible game. It reviewed actually surprisingly okay at the time, mm-hmm. but and I, I think those people are crazy, but I'm going to share something with you, Alex. Mm-hmm. I've 100% of this game. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know. It's... I, and a big reason why it is because there's a ton of alternate paths. Like, when I say this game's mm-hmm. like a choose-your-own-adventure book, it essentially is. Right. The first playthrough is very straightforward and very short. And then after you beat it, you get an item called the Key of Destiny. And then all of a sudden, you now have choices you can make. Mm-hmm. And those choices lead to some wacky outcomes. <laughs> so... This game, and Wacky All comes in the sense that this game has eight endings. Mm. And when we get to the end, I'll tell you which ending is, is canon. Okay. So yeah, you ready to talk about Star Fox Command? I don't know. I don't know if I am, but let's do it anyway. <laughs> let's dive on in. So Star Fox Command begins two to three years after the end of Assault. Two to three years may sound odd. There's kind of a reason. They kind of contradict each other during the game. Okay. So the status quo has changed quite a bit. General Pepper has gotten sick and has been replaced by Peppy as Commander-in-Chief of the Cornarian Army. So he's left the team. Slippy is... Hey, that Go ahead. doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. Peppy have any qualifications for military or government leadership? He's old. Ah. And a friend of Pepper. Ah. All right. <laughs> and that's exactly it. Slippy has left the team after meeting his fiancée, Lucy, and now lives on Aquas, another planet in the Lilas system. Okay, sure. By the way, 
there's a bunch of new characters that are introduced, and with the exception of one character, they all have human names. Mm. Also, I called her Lucy, and that's a mistake. Her name's actually Amanda. My apologies on that. Okay. Yeah, that's probably the one thing I really hate about this game is that a lot of the new characters, <laughs> instead of like having like fun, like, I don't know, right. like, Ribbitina or something, right. it's like, they're, she's Lucy. Yeah. This character's name is Marcus. And it's like, you boring, boring people. Yeah. Ah, what did you like get to Cat Monroe and went, well, Star Fox 64 can't do any better than this. Yep. Nope. Just give up. Don't even try. Oh, man. Like, I at least appreciate Beltino Toad, but... Yeah, that, that's a good... Exactly, that's a good name. Get weird with it. So, Falco has also left the team as well. For reasons kind of unexplained, uh, it seems to be implied that he just got bored one day and left. That's That seems to track. Seems to track. Finally, while Fox and Crystal's relationship got pretty serious, Fox got worried about Crystal's safety and pushed her to quit the team, which in turn mm. caused Crystal to instead just straight up break up with him and leave completely. Ah, alright. So the Star Fox team now consists of Fox and Rob64 and a new great fox that looks absolutely terrible to the point that I'm not even going to describe it. <laughs> it's like a flat hockey puck, essentially. Right. So. Okay, so it's just Fox. Yeah, it's just Fox. You know what? I don't hate this starting point. It's It's sort of like a... Maybe not entirely Batman Beyond-ish point, but mm. it, it's sort of that thing of like... Fox has been doing this too long and he's made mistakes and now he's sort of ended up on his own. Yeah. Yeah, I've been going back and forth whether about whether or not I actually like this for the past, I guess now, 16 years. Oh, and um, I, I think I have settled on that I do like it because unlike other Nintendo series, they do actually try to move forward. Right, yeah. And pretty consistently from game to game. I don't like it in the sense that it does kind of like pull on very similar streaks that previous games have made, such as like Slippy and Falco essentially quitting the team or quitting the roles. Mm -hmm. Like it kind of goes right. back to that well, and it's like, it's kind of annoying. And after like Assault having like really good banter between the team, I kind of want to continue that a little bit. But mm -hmm. but at the same time, like if you're going to, you know, move things forward, then yeah, go ahead and move things forward, right? Right. So I, I will say Falco's a fun character, but he has like no potential for character development. No. Like, there's just nothing you can do with him. He's like, oh, he was an asshole one day and he went away. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> it is implied they does think that the Star Fox team is his only family, and that's why he keeps coming back, but they never really expand upon that much. Right. Which is too bad. Yeah. But yeah, so that's that's our status quo, what we're, what we're at right now. All and right. this is all rather unfortunate for the Lilat system, because mm. Corneria immediately becomes under threat from a space armada originating from Venom. Calling themselves the Angler Empire, they come from the acid oceans of Venom and are essentially various types of fish people. Um, they have like different, like a general structure that is essentially like different types of deep sea fish. And for some reason, Andrew as well. He's just, oh, he's, just, okay. he's just hanging out there. Sure. Also, Octoman, who's a character from F-Zero is also here. In case you wonder who Octoman is, he's an octopus. And uh, You know what? Good. I'm glad F-Zero and Star Fox are in the same universe. Honestly, I'm happy about that. It's actually incredibly strange. So the F-Zero Star Fox connection is strange in that they both are in the same universe and not. Okay, it's more like, that makes sense. Yeah, it's more like they're alternate universes of each other because in Star Fox, the G-Zero race exists. Oh. Yeah. And in okay. F-Zero, James McCloud is alive, but he's very much a human. Interest. Okay. That's yeah. also fine. Yeah. Yeah. I. It's kind of cool, actually. I like it. 
Yeah. So these this species was rumored to be a creation of Vandross, and they have now chosen this time to strike and take over the Lilat system. They don't get a whole lot of character development, so we're not going to talk a whole lot about them. <laughs> but, right. but I am going to say that Fox, being a hero, takes off alone to defeat them. He quickly realizes that this is not going to work. He's just one fox against a bunch of sea monsters. Right. So he gets in contact with Slippy and Fox makes meets his like very protective fiance Amanda. And mm-hmm. they all agree the anglers need to be stopped. And they need an expert pilot for that. Falco. So they meet up with him on Aquas as well. And it doesn't take much for him to rejoin the team. However, he comes with some bad news. Crystal has joined Star Wolf and is now dating Panther. Alright, that's dumb. Yeah, it's really dumb. I hate it. That's super dumb. So that's pretty much the common through line that like leads to all the split paths. With one exception, you can actually beat the game without ever meeting fo- meeting up back up with Falco. Oh, okay. Yeah, which leads to an ending where Falco gets very sad and makes his own cool team with Cat. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's pretty good. So now it's more or less after this once again that the game goes wildly off the rails depending on the decisions you make. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna like stick with like a general through line because really the alternate paths while they have flavor text aren't really that different right so it basically goes like this fox meets up with star wolf and confronts crystal whom has she's now become like an icy killer in her own right and at first like she ignores fox however she still loves him and it doesn't really take much to peel her away from star wolf and panther <laughs> okay and she sure. just rejoins the team although she's like i will never forgive you fox which depending on the ending you get will either be true or not that that seems like an extreme way to state frustration with an ex, but okay. Yeah, right? The team meets up with Lucy, the daughter of Peppy and a skilled pilot herself. Um, her mom, by the way, is was a rabbit named Vivian. Um, and, like, apparently her mom died, like, a long time ago. And apparently he just had his daughter that's Fox's age yeah, his entire okay. time. Yeah, just, just hanging out, yeah. hanging, being around. Sure. Well, Peppy was like, I guess, I don't know, barely being a dad. I don't know. It's weird. Right. Well, I guess by the time, like, Star Fox reforms, she should already have been an adult. Either way, it's weird that she's never mentioned before this. Yeah, it's all. It's also weird that he's just, like, hanging out on the Great Fox all the time while he has a daughter somewhere else. Yeah, that he just never talks about. So, she directs the team to actually find Peppy, who could be on various planets. But uh, let's say he's on Fortuna right now. Sure. Upon finding him, Peppy himself rejoins Star Fox as they make a plan to fight against the Anglers. Now, during this time, depending on the path you take, the team can meet up with old friends Bill Gray and Cat Monroe, who aren't really doing anything too different compared to their previous games, so we're going to leave it mm-hmm. at that. Okay. They can also meet a new character, an ape named Dash Bowman, who's an ace pilot in the Cornarian Army, and it's also the grandson of Andros. He is like the one interesting character in this entire game. He might also have the best name so far. That too. <laughs> he is surprisingly a big fan of Fox, and while he's aware of the fact that Fox killed his grandfather, he personally feels appalled at Andross's crime, so he's like, hey, listen, mm. you had to do what you had to do. Right. No hard feelings. I know you're a good guy. Right. So one person who, oddly enough, doesn't feel this way is Crystal herself. Like, Crystal and Fox actually have a fight, like, where she explains to Fox that at one point, Andross actually was a good guy, and he was only doing the things he did because he disagreed with Pepper. And he only rebelled because his experiments to help Corneria were shut down by Pepper himself. Mm-hmm. Now, Fox is like, this is ridiculous. No, they, he went crazy. And, you know, there's no way he could possibly do be trying to actually help things out. Help people? Pa, not Andros. But apparently there's a shred of evidence that this could be true. And it could also be the downfall for the anglers. 
So the anglers are permanently safe from all of Corneria's forces because they live in the acid oceans. And like any ship that goes in there, if it's not an angler ship, will just disintegrate. Okay. But it turns out on, on Titania, there are rumors of the device that Andros created that can terraform Venom. And upon arriving there, they're greeted by a hologram of Andros, who directs a bioweapon to attack the team. And upon defeating it, they get the terraforming device and take off for Venom. So yeah, it looks like he actually was trying to terraform Venom this entire time. Or at least at one point before he just was right. like... Right, one of his projects. Yeah, one of his many projects. I kind of don't buy Crystal's whole thing. It's like, no, he was really just being good. It was Pepper who was the bad guy, which is... Okay, so I actually really like that, not as an objective truth of the plot, but as a factor of her having had a psychic connection with Andros at one point. Mm-hmm. That, like, she saw into his memories and his mind, and it might have even colored her perception of what he did. Man, that would be a really great thing if they ever expanded upon it or mentioned it. That would be, like, a really cool aspect of her, like, having this perspective on everything that happened. It would totally also explain why she kind of, like, changed her views as well and kind of went from being, like, pretty starry-eyed and just wanting to help to, like... Being like now icy cold and vindictive. Right. I mean, I think that's just a stupid character development in general. But yeah, it's a very spurned lover sort of thing. It's a big, real. It's a real big flaw of Crystal. Like that's like in assault as well to a certain extent. Of like she's mm. Fox's love interest and she's written right. that way and kind of sucks. Yeah, yeah. It's it's sort of unclear what her character is outside of that. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really too bad. But yeah, no, unfortunately, while that would be a really good explanation for everything... This game reminds me a lot of Mass Effect, and Crystal reminds me a lot of Liara. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Fox is her shepherd. Yep. <laughs> Doesn't take much for her to, to forgive Fox and just be like, oh, it's, you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you're not wrong. You're not wrong at all. Uh, it's hard being a blue love interest in space, man. Oh, geez, yeah, she is a blue love interest. Man, damn it. I hate this. Uh, well, they get the terraforming device, and they take off her Venom. And upon arriving there, they fire into the sea, and it basically transforms Venom instantaneously into a habitable planet. Oh. So this is very bad for the anglers, who are like, oh, shit. They can come right. down here now. And right. they do. They go down in there and they fight the Angular Emperor and destroy him. They defeat him. So this also implies that the Terraformer was done. Yep. It was finished. And I'm assuming at some point Andros was like, hey, I did this thing. We can terraform Venom. To which the Cornarian government, whatever that was, was like, nah, we need that as the death planet to send people to. Yeah. Yeah, it's unclear exactly when he finished it. Was it after he got exiled? Was like I should probably make this habitable for myself, or it was like before, or what? It's hard to right. say. All we know is that he finished it. It's on Titania, and there's a bioweapon protecting it. Right. Yeah, it's all very confusing. But yeah, either way, it was finished and never used. Yeah. So yeah, they de- right. they defeat the anglers, and that's it. That's kind of the end of the game. Okay. Now, there are eight total endings that can happen. And sometimes the circumstances mm-hmm. of, the, of the fight of the Angler Emperor is a little bit different. Like, one ending, he's fought in space, for instance. Mm-hmm. Another ending, like, Star Wolf fights him instead. But essentially, the endings go as such. So, now, probably the closest thing to a canonical ending 
would be the first ending, which is Fox, Crystal, Falco, and Slippy leave Venom, and then, like, Fox has learned his lesson, and he's like, hey, Crystal, please forgive me. And she's like, I'm not going to forgive you. And the entire team is like, hey, come on, forgive him. He's an idiot. <laughs> she's like, okay, fine, fine. <laughs> and so she rejoins the team, and then Amanda's like, but I don't want Slippy to get in danger. So, like, uh, well, Amanda, do you want to join the team? And she's like, sure. So now the Star Fox team consists of two frogs. Oh, okay. Sure. And with Venom purified, Dash like leaves the Cornarian army and like just watches over Venom as a steward. What? Yeah. And like starts to basically kind of like rebuild the society that's on there. Does he have qualifications to do that? Uh, Legacy of Andros, I guess. I don't know. Is there a society on Venom? I thought it was just all bioweapons and core holes. I mean, excellent question. Not really sure. Is the society all of the death prisoners they sent there? Yeah. Is is Venom Australia now? Maybe the criminals are still there. Maybe there's some anglers around. It is. Yes, it is definitely Australia, by the way. Okay. 100% that is Australia. Everything there is trying to kill you. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, so kind of a... Uh, it's unknown exactly what's going on there. Uh, there's another ending that sort of expands upon it that might as well be the same ending, oddly enough. All right. So another ending that could happen is that the... Angler Emperor is defeated, and Fox in- instead decides to disband the Star Fox team. Basically, it's if you, like, beat the game, but you just never recruit Crystal. Okay. They find out she's on Serena, or Saria. Mm-hmm. So it's like a one mission of the dinosaur planet. And so he goes there, he, like, retires, they get married, and they have a kid who's a blue fox by the name of Marcus. That's terrible. Yeah. And he ends up forming his own Star Fox team, consisting of one of Slippy's sons, Peppy's granddaughter, and a now old Falco Lombardi taking over the Peppy role, wearing some rad sunglasses. He's, he's the one good part of this entire ending. I see what they're going for. They almost pulled it off. Yeah. Yeah. It's... I, I, if that had been its own game about that, mm-hmm. they might have been able to do it. They might have been able to do it. But, but as a footnote to this one, nah. What if I tell you that Slippy Sun is orange? And has nope. a cowboy hat. That's terrible. <laughs> yes, it is. That's the worst. <laughs> None of that makes sense. Yeah, no, it doesn't. So the third ending is actually the ending you always get when you first play the game. Basically, mm-hmm. the team defeats the Angular Empire in space. And um, Crystal can't forgive Fox, so she leaves and rejoins Star Wolf. That's it. Okay. Um, so the next ending... Next, next two endings, really, are kind of, like, together. Like, you're literally given a choice to either, like, do the Star Fox thing or do the Wolf thing, and that's just the final mission. Mm-hmm. But starting with... The, basically, what happens is that halfway through the game, you can actually recruit Star Wolf to join your team. Okay. And Wolf goes, Oh, yeah, that's great. Hey, Fox, uh, you should go and fight Pigma, who's shown back up. Oh, you're going to do that? I'm going to steal your ship. <laughs> and literally, <laughs> literally steals the ship and goes and defeats the Angler Emperor with um, Crystal as part of the team. That's so weird. Yeah, it's actually That's so weird. It's like my favorite ending because, like, if you select the Star Fox part, like Fox and Falco fight mm-hmm. um um basically a mutated Pigma who's like a giant like diamond in space essentially. Okay, and like you get something and like uh, what do we do now? <laughs> Falco's <laughs> like um, I just got a report that Star Wolf defeated Angler Emperor. I'm like uh, wait, did they just those dicks? <laughs> it's it's great. I... I really, really, really like this ending. I do too. Because I love the idea of Wolf just being like, 
fuck Star Fox. Mm-hmm. I'm going to steal their ship and save the Lilat system. Not because I want to save the Lilat system. I just want to steal the glory from Fox and make him look like an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. I'm going to save the day out of spite. Yep. 100% out of spite. And it's perfect. It's perfect That's in every way. That's really good. <laughs> it's easily my favorite ending. And I'm going to recruit his girlfriend to help me do it. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's the ultimate <laughs> dick move. It is the ultimate dick move. Oh. oh, that's so strong. It's so strong. <laughs> so yeah, if you pick the wolf part and do that ending, uh, basically the citizens of Lilat praise the Star Wolf. They're like, you're pretty great. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but they won't forgive Crystal. Like They basically tell Crystal that you're a dick. You betrayed Fox and his team. And Crystal like eventually finds these insults unbearable and leaves Star Wolf and like leaves the Lilat system. It becomes a bounty huntress. Damn. Um, okay. do you want to, do you want to know what her bounty huntress name is? Is it Vixen? Worse. It's called Cursed with a K. That's, oh, that's so bad. <laughs> that's so bad. What? Who would even think of that? Right? It's the worst. <laughs> oh, that's, oh, that's terrible. It's terrible. Like she actually eventually runs to Fox on the planet Crew, K-E-W, but apparently sure. he doesn't recognize her. And it's unknown what becomes of the meeting. Okay, I, I am going to share one image of, like, Cornarian citizens, like, gossiping behind her back. Because I just want to show this to you. Okay, it's a, yeah. It's a real stupid... It's probably going to be a little tiny, but... Okay. Let me... That, oh. Look at that dog's face! <laughs> oh my god. Is this is this the official art style for the game? Yeah! Yes, it is. Oh god. Oh yeah, yeah. Here, here, back Good here. Is... Oh no. Yeah, look at all those. Oh. Look at all those. Look at that. Cur- look at that evil crystal named Cursed. Oh wow. Mm. Yeah, it's. Oh, it's exceedingly bad in a way that I love. Uh all right. Let's get that down. So yeah, that's uh, that ending. Okay. Um. So the the counterpoint to that ending is um is that Fox like after like uh you know basically Crystal breaks his heart and all that. Mm-hmm. Like he's like basically crying and feeling sad and then falcon's like hey i got an idea what if we take our our wings and we turn them into race cars yes <laughs> and so they join the g-zero grand prix and become racing pilots leaving behind the days of star fox awesome yeah it's good it's good so there's another ending that can happen where you basically play as all with lady characters and you have to defend corneria from like a last minute um angler assault while everyone else like defeats the angler emperor and the ending basically okay. consists of all the girls having to cook um, the guys' dinner when they come back and have a feast for them. Oh, there it is. Yep. Also, Crystal rejoins the Star Fox team after that, so that's neat, I guess. God. <laughs> yeah. Why? Why not? A thousand reasons why not. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Sure, so that ending's there. Yep. So I've already alluded to this next ending. That's the one where you just don't recruit Falco, and then Falco's mm-hmm. just sad. Oh, right. Like, you actually take Falco and, like, defeat Pigma, but, like, Fox and everyone else slave Lilat system. He's like, I'm sad. And then Cat <laughs> Monroe shows up and is like, let's make our own mercenary team. And they recruit Dash, and they make their own mercenary team. All right, fair. For some reason, there's an ending for Slippy. So after they, like, clear out Aquas of Angler forces... 
like the game mm-hmm. ends with him marrying Amanda. And okay. they end up having, let me see how many kids. One, two, three, four, five, six kids. And like he basically like gets into old age like sharing stories of how he used to be a badass pilot. <laughs> well, it's close enough. Close enough, yeah. Finally, the last ending is an ending called Dash Makes a Choice. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of, might as well just be an expanded version of the first ending where Dash stays behind on Venom. Mm-hmm. Because he stays behind to fulfill his grandfather's wish of a beautiful Venom. And he continues to terraform the planet and immigrants begin to arrive and he builds society. And eventually they begin to rival Corneria in terms of like technology and population. Uh-huh. And one fateful day, Dash announces that Venom has become the hard lilac system and Corneria is no longer in charge. And then a minor border incident happens and full-scale war erupts. Okay. Yeah. Just a lilac civil war then. Yep. He basically becomes Andros 2.0. So, you, Alex, you're probably wondering, which of these endings are canon? Is it the... I don't know. I don't know if I am wondering that. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you anyways. Yeah? None of them are. Okay. Dylan Cutbirth has been on the record saying that none of these endings are canon, and if there's any sequel to Star Fox, it should take place in the middle of Star Fox Command. Okay. Now, I don't know how that would work, personally. Yeah, I don't... I don't... That doesn't really make sense. Yeah, and honestly, if they were to make a sequel to Star Fox, I would say they probably should just ignore Command. Probably. Or go with the first ending, I guess, where it's just, I don't know, Slippy has his wife hanging out with him. Yeah, things basically go back to normal yeah like i could totally see them like going with the jack dash makes a choice ending eventually but right like that seems like it would sort of make sense but you know it's hard to say it's hard to say it's it's hard to say but yeah with that that's kind of the end of the main through line of star fox now it isn't like the end of the star fox games or the star fox series right like star fox 64 3d would come out in 2008 and then star fox zero would be released to great fanfare and immediate disappointment <laughs> in 2016 <laughs> mm-hmm. and like star fox as a series despite the fact that zero did not sell particularly well it's, it doesn't appear to be dead by any sense of the imagination. Uh, the Star, Starlink DLC, as far as I understand, did incredibly well and was very mm-hmm. popular. People really liked that. And it doesn't seem like there's any indication that Star Fox itself is dead. Now, I don't know if there's actually going to be like a legit sequel to Star Fox in the sense of like anything that moves the story forward. If they're just going to kind of continuously remake that first game. Right. Kind of hard to know what Nintendo even thinks about as far as like expanding the story in their franchises in general. Nintendo's, they're in a bit of a weird spot when it comes to just, like, what they want to do with their games, it feels like. Yeah. Yeah, that does feel kind of true across the board right now. Yeah. But at the very least, if they do, um, hopefully they they do something very interesting with the, with what they have set up, either at the end of Assault or at the end of Command, or just, I don't know, go off in a different direction. Okay, can I armchair screenwrite this? Absolutely. Okay, so their next game should be a redo of Command. Not like, a you know, let, not the same gameplay or structure or anything, but just like, okay, let's, let's take that Command concept and try it again. Mm. The protagonist of the game should be Dash Bowman. Mm. You should play as Dash Bowman, who, upon Corneria or the Lilat system coming under threat from the Angular Empire, needs to find and recruit the Star Fox team who has gone silent since the end of Assault. 
And basically that same setup where Fox and Rob are the only ones left. Yeah. And he needs to talk Fox out of his self-imposed retirement slash exile. Hmm. Am I just, once again, describing Batman Beyond? Yes, I don't care. Batman Beyond's a helpful show, so... I'm, it sure is. I'm cool with Batman Spider-Man, and I'm cool with that happening here. Yeah, no, I, I, I could totally go with that. That actually sounds pretty good. I, I, I kind of want them to leave the Lilat system and just be mercenaries. Mm, that'd be cool, too. Yeah, I, I want a game where they have to, like, take on mercenary missions and, like, earn money and whatnot. And, yeah. Like, maybe there's a large overarching threat that they're trying to stop in, like, another solar system or something. And, like, tensions begin to, like, arise between him and Crystal or something. I don't know. Sure. Like... Yeah. Either way, there. I think this... I think this is ripe for many, many different directions they could go if they really want to. Yeah. No, yeah, I think there's a lot they can do. And as we've been saying, like, just the world and the characters are a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And they're very fondly regarded. And just they could do a lot of things expanding on that and playing with that if if they if they just figure out how to make the game fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they just. Hey, Nintendo, make the game fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if they could just do that, it'd be great. Uh, but yeah, I, once again, Star Fox is... You know what? I I might actually say it's maybe like one of my top three favorite Nintendo series. Mm, I Yeah. You know what? I will straight up say that. Like, I just... Just make a new game. Make a new game. Make it fun. I'll play the yeah. hell out of it. Like, I bought Star Fox 64 3D, a port that everybody <laughs> agrees is kind of bad. Yeah. And I still really enjoyed it. It's, yeah, just, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like the answer is just, just make a $30 game. Mm -hmm. Like, just make a new Star Fox, make it a half price game, put some production value on it. it it's fine. Yeah. Good three hour experience. I'm done. Even if that, if that. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Man, this left me depressed. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, that's a recurring theme with this podcast. It sure is, as well as a lot of Nintendo franchises. Yeah. Ugh. Well, for our, for our next episode, I assure you, we're we're not going to be ending that one depressed. All right. I've good. I've already decided on it, and it's going to be a happy one. <laughs> I'm excited. But yeah, Alex, do you have any like final thoughts for the Star Fox franchise before we go and uh, part ways? Hmm. No. We've said so much. I was trying to think, is there... Yeah, I don't think there really no. is much else to say. No, in this case, no. Other than, let's make a new game, and please don't give it dumb controls. Don't give it dumb controls. Stop. 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 Dumb Stop controls. dumb controls. Please. To be fair, it seems like they have, but yeah, continue stopping. <laughs> Remain stopped. <laughs> Well, thanks for joining us, everybody. Uh, once again, if you want to hear other episodes of this podcast, go to ftp.podbean.com or search through Fallen Through Plot Holes on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or YouTube. Also, FTP will get you to us if you if you enter that into either Apple Podcasts or Google Play. And with that, I think we're going to go ahead and sign off here. So thank you all for joining us for this uh, weird journey through the weird animal kingdom that is Star Fox. And we'll see you next time. Take care. See you next time. Take care, everybody.